At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer from Lee Lowe. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Decent Family Podcast. Got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment. Going to be joined by Curtis Rogers of 710 ESPN. He does pre and post game work over there for the Seattle Mariners. And on top of that, when it comes to NFL season, he does some scoreboard work for the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, the man just eats, breathes, and sleeps sports. He does a terrific job being able to do the Seattle Mariners shows night in and night out. Also does a specialty Seattle Mariners show whenever they've got an off day. In the second segment, we're going to look at the landscape of the American League, take a look at how far ahead of everyone else the Yankees and the Astros are in terms of the American League, what's going wrong for the Seattle Mariners, and what to expect out of Robbie Ray and what have been some of the issues for him as he's going to be pitching on Sunday. So we're going to be chatting about that with him in the second segment, then in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. And we got one or two ways to be able to fire this in. First one is a Twitter timeline at Junit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters DM. Maybe it does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline any other way. Find an Apple Podcast review. If you're at this podcast, five stars. It is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review. Did get in a couple questions with regards to being able to handicap streaks. I just wound up having to do the Greg Peterson experience. So I'm recording this right afterwards. So unfortunately, I am unable to get to it today. So I will tomorrow instead just because... 
Rain short on time when you wind up hosting a three-hour show on Tops of Two Podcasts. Sometimes it winds up getting a little bit late, but with that said, I'll be talking about gauging streaks, how to handicap them, how much I adjust my numbers on the podcast tomorrow. So I've got you guys covered there. Now let's take a look at what we wind up getting on Saturday with regards to everything in baseball. Try to find some trends in. Try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Brewers losing streak continues. It is now 8. 8-2-6. The Washington Nationals get done against the Brewers and for Patrick Corbin. It's been a pretty bad year for him. It wasn't necessarily the world's greatest start as the Washington Nationals are now 3-10 and in his 13 starts having lost Nine of them by two plus runs, but does wind up giving up four runs over the course of six innings, including a pair of homers going deep off of him. Christian Yelich, six home run of the season, then wind up getting the first home run of the season for Mark Mathis a little bit later on in the game. He would wind up having Luis Arias. He would wind up going deep off of Tanner Rainey for his sixth home run season. As Rainey winds up giving up two runs in his inning work, but Kyle Finnegan and Erasmo Ramirez, they're able to both give you a scoreless inning apiece as they combine for two scoreless innings. And for the Washington Nationals, they really got to Eric Lauer's. He gives up a trio of bombs. Juan Soto, 13th home run season. Josh Bell is 7th. And Nelson Cruz is 7th. As Lauer gives up all 8 runs in this circuit, going 5 innings, 3 home runs. From there, you do wind up having Obi Mulner, Devin Williams, and Peter Strzelecki. Hopefully I'm saying that one correctly. You get a Z in there. It's always interesting. But they all gave you a scoreless inning. But for the Brewers, they are now slumping. And now it is the St. Louis Cardinals atop of the NL Central sit today. They are now 34-26. and they take down the Cincinnati Reds by a count of five before as the Reds. Their bullpen is currently dead last in the big leagues in terms of VRA, and it showed in this one as Hunter Green, a very good start. Seven strikeouts, one run allowed over the course of five innings. Alexis Diaz, Luis Sessa, they come in for a scoreless inning, but Hunter Strickland got one out, gave up two runs, and then Joel Kunal. He got four outs, but gave up two runs along the way, including a home run that pretty much ended it. It's Tommy Edmond, walk-off bomb. Sixth home run season for Adam Wainwright. Not his best stuff, giving up three runs over the course of seven innings. Drew Verhagen, he gives up a run in an inning, but Nick Wickren gives you a scoreless inning. So that was good enough to be able to get it done. And for the Cincinnati Reds, he's sort of been all over the place with regards to how they've been playing on the road as they're hitting nearly 50 points lower on the road than at home. And they are now 8-22 and in road games thus far this season. A team that has also been doing a relatively bad job on the road this season. That would be the Baltimore Orioles as they're winning just 33% of their games on the road, but they take down the Kansas City Royals by a count of 6 of 4 as you wind up having Tyler Wells. Not great. It wasn't necessarily Wells, but it wasn't terrible either, giving up three runs over the course of six innings. He did have Dylan Tate give up a run in an inning of his own, but all four bullpen pieces that came in for the Baltimore Orioles all left with a sub-2 ERA. you got to think that there's going to be a regression with that. Ore Lopez, scoreless setting, and then CNL Perez, Felix Batista. They both give you a scoreless setting as it was a home run for the third baseman, Tyler Nevin, that broke things open for the Baltimore Orioles. He winds up getting his second home run season. That comes off of Daniel Lynch, who winds up giving up four runs in five and a third innings, including that bomb. From there, you have Dylan Coleman come in for an inning. He gives up a run. Jose Cuas winds up giving up a run in one and two-thirds innings before you wind up getting a scoreless inning from Arodis Vizcaino. But for the Royals, 20-38. and 38, That is currently the worst record out there in the American League. The Texas Rangers, they are not at the top of the American League, but they aren't underachieving the way that the Chicago White Sox are. 11-9. The Texas Rangers 
get it done in extra innings as the White Sox held a five-run lead in this game, and then they blew it as Martin Perez is worth starting quite a while. First time in 10 starts that he allowed more than two earned runs as he gives up seven runs, six of which were earned in five innings. A White Sox team that matches lefties. Well, they did so on this day as going deep for them. Jake Berger's eighth home run season and Lucas Gilito probably left out there a little bit too long. He does wind up giving up four runs over the course of five innings, including a home run off the bat of Adolis Garcia for Garcia's 12th, but the bullpen of the Rangers far superior to that of the White Sox as you wind up getting a scoreless setting out of Asus Janoko. You wind up getting a combined scoreless setting out of Brock Burke, Matt Bush. Matt Moore gives you two scoreless, and then Joe Barlow in the 10th inning gives up two runs, one of which was earned, and then for the Chicago White Sox. Oh boy, Kyle Crick gives up a run in an inning. Bennett Sousa, he winds up giving up two runs in a third of an inning. Jimmy Lambert, two and two-thirds inning scoreless, but Matt Foster in the 10th inning winds up giving up four runs, three of which were earned, and didn't get out before Jose Ruiz has to come in and put out the fire. So the White Sox are now 27 and 30, and it's not going too well, especially for our good friend Tony Russa. Not going well for the Tampa Bay Rays in this series as the Minnesota Twins take the first two of this one, 6-5. They wind up taking down the Rays as Shane Boz wound up making his first start of the season and didn't go as planned. He gets seven outs and he gives up five runs, all of which were earned, including home run on Byron Buxton's day off. He wound up coming in as a pinch runner, but did not wind up being in the starting lineup. It was Luis Arias, went deep for his third home run season. By the way, not even 367, Luis Arias is. That's the best out there in the big leagues. Jalen Beeks was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and the bullpen was solid for the race. You did have Ryan Thompson give up a run and an inning, but Charm Armstrong, two scoreless settings, Brooks Raley, Matt Weisler, they both give you a scoreless setting. And for the Minnesota Twins, you had Chichi Gonzalez get the start. Eight hits, give it up in four innings and three runs in total, but the bullpen at his back. You wind up having Gerald Cotton give up an unearned run in an inning, but you wind up having Caleb Thielbar. He gives up a run in an inning before you under and Emilio Pagan. They both come in for a scoreless inning along with Trevor McGill. So Minnesota now 35-26 and 26 and taking firm control of that American League Central out there in the American League West. The Astros currently have that lead very, very well in hand at this point, but it was the Miami Marlins who took the first two of this series. Five to two, five to one. They take down the Houston Astros as for the Astros. Not necessarily the start that they were looking for out of Framber Valdez. Gives up four runs, only two of which was earned. He was hurt by Jeremy Pena. Fielding error in six innings. Ryan Stanek comes in for a scoreless inning and Rafael Montero. Two innings pitch. Gives up a run, but nothing doing for the Houston Astros. One of 13 with Ben in scoring position and averaging fewer than four runs per game at home thus far this season. So that's been a little bit shocking. What else is pretty shocking is that the Philadelphia Phillies, they are a streaking right now. They are 8-0 ever since they wound up canning Joe Girardi on a nine-game win streak overall. 4-0. They wind up taking down the airs and the Diamondbacks as Madison Bumgarner gives up three runs, only one of which was earned. He was hurt by Josh Rojas fielding errors going deep for the Phillies. You wind up having Mr. Stott in Bryson Stott be able to get his fourth home run season, I believe his third home run in the last 10 days. As Zach Wheeler, he was a dealin'. Fresh off of the birth of a new child. Six scoreless settings from their jurisdiction familia. Andrew Bellotti make it by for a scoreless setting before our bread end. And Christopher Sanchez come in for a scoreless setting and for the years and the Diamondbacks. Caleb Smith comes in for two innings. He gives up a run. And J.B. Wendelkin was able to give you a scoreless setting. So the Snakes, they were held very silent in this one. Another team that was held pretty silent. The Blue Jays for the... Second time in their last 15 games, they were held below four runs, 3-1. to one. The Detroit Tigers take them down. As for the Blue Jays, Kevin Gosman, tough luck loser. Two runs, one of which was earned, given up over the course of six innings. So, Bobo Bichette wound up hurting him with a fielding error. 
David Phelps, Tim Mesa may come in for an inning as Phelps gave up a run in that inning before Trevor Richards gives you a scoreless inning. But for the Blue Jays, a strand 10 men on base. And for the Detroit Tigers, Bo Bariski. He winds up giving up seven hits in five and two-thirds innings, but was able to limit the damage, not giving up a run. Andrew Chafin gives you an out of the bullpen before you wind up getting a scoreless setting of Michael Fulmer and Jason Foley. And Gregory Soto does wind up allowing a run in his inning, but not enough for the Blue Jays to be able to get it done. And for the Detroit Tigers, Omen Road splits have been interesting for them as Detroit currently 500 at home, 16 and 16, 8 and 18. On the road thus far, the Cleveland Guardians, they're currently find themselves number two out there in the Central, but they wind up losing to the Oakland A's by a kind of 10 to 5 as the A's were able to erupt in this game with, I believe, four home runs. As Seth Brown goes deep for his seventh home run season, Sean Murphy is seventh, Christian Bethencourt, he winds up getting his third home run campaign, and then Stephen Vogt was able to get his second as for the Cleveland Guardians. He wound up having Zach Plesak give up none of them. He winds up going six innings, gives up four runs, three of which were in, and then every reliever from there gives up at least one home run. Sam Antiges, two solo runs, and his one in the third innings of work. Aniel De Los Santos gives up a solo run in his inning, and then Eli Morgan. Three unearned runs in two-thirds of an inning, but wound up giving up one of those home runs as well. And for the Cleveland Guardians, they were able to get to Frankie Montas in this one. They get eight hits in six innings as Montas gives up five runs, but Montas still gets a win. Go figure, because in all of his other starts, he's been relatively lights out, and he takes losses for those. Domingo Acevedo, A.J. Puck, Danny Jimenez from there, all are able to give you a scoreless inning. You take a look out west, and the LA Angels have now won two out of their last three. Yip-de-skip-de. They wind up being able to get an 11-6 win over the New York Metropolitans. As for the Mets, this was just a terrible start here from Carlos Carrasco, giving up a pair of home runs, five runs given up in four two-thirds innings, and then you wind up bringing in Mr. Jake Reed, and typically it's not going well when Jake Reed comes into the game. Two-thirds of an inning gives up two home runs, three runs in total. It's going deep for the LA Angels. Welcome back, Mike Trout. His 15th and 16th home runs of the season. Andrew Vasquez was able to get his fourth home run season. And Showtime, Shoei Otani, able to get his 13th home run season for the Mets. He did wind up having Jason Shreve give up three runs in two innings. And Trevor Williams gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And for the Mets, you did have Pete Alonso get his 17th home run season. He led the big leagues in terms of home runs on the road last season. And you would get the first home run of the season for Khalil Lee as well as for the LA Angels. It was a good start for Michael Lorenz. It gives up one run in six and a third innings. The two home runs were given up by Oliver Ortega. Gives up five runs, only one of which was earned as Luis Ranifo and Jared Walsh hurt him with some errors out there in the field. Aaron Loop, a pair of outs out of the bullpen, but the Angels continue to be a little bit less trustworthy with regards to the bullpen, but they're able to get this one done. The Colorado Rockies and the San Diego Padres, they split their double dip as the Padres take game number one by kind of two to one as it was Mr. Ryan Feltner who wound up getting the start with the Colorado Rockies. Gives up one solo home run over the course of six innings. Going deep for the Padres. Trent Grisham, fourth home run season. And then you would have an unearned run given up by Carlos Aceves in the 10th inning as you wind up having Lucas Gilbreth, Alex Calme, Daniel Bart. I'll give you a scoreless inning in for the Colorado Rockies. Nothing doing in this one. 0 of 9 with men in scoring position as Nick Martinez gives up a run in five and a third innings from there. Luis Garcia... Tyler Rogers and Steven Wilson. I'll give you a scoreless inning in the ball. Crisman far outside the bullpen. And then you wind up having Mackenzie Gore get the start in game number two. And Mackenzie Gore was not long for this game. He winds up getting seven outs. And then the bullpen had to take over from there. Six to two. The Colorado Rockies get game number two as Gore gives up six out of those seven runs in his two and a third innings. Craig Salmon. He winds up coming in for one and two thirds inning scoreless. And Reese Kinnar. A lot of credit to him as 
He wound up getting hit by a comebacker, stayed in this game four and two-thirds innings. He winds up going scoreless, and you would wind up getting the final out out of Ray Kerr, but for the San Diego Padres, they did wind up having three errors out there on the field, and nothing doing on offense. Kyle Freeland was able to do a nice job of being able to hold them down, giving up two runs in six innings before Robert Stevenson, Alex Galme, and Carlos Aceves all come in for scoreless innings. You wound up having quite a few scoreless settings in San Francisco as the Giants say why I'm digging on the Dodgers by kind of 3-2 as for L.A. You wound up having Clayton Kershaw get his first start in quite a while. And why they made Clayton Kershaw a minus $2 road favorite in his first start back off the injured list is still befuddling to me, but gives up two runs in four innings, including a home run to Thario Estrada, fourth home run season. Bullpen from there wasn't too bad. Craig Kimbrell, he continues to struggle. He's now got a 442 ERA. He gives up a run in a third of an inning in the eighth inning. Evan Phillips along with Alex Vizia both give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Caleb Ferguson and Yancy Almonte combined for two and a third inning scoreless, but for the Dodgers, they strand 14 men on base. They get 13 hits, and they get just two runs out of it as Sammy Long comes in. He was pretty much the long guy in this one, going three scoreless innings. From there, Tyler Rogers, two scoreless innings. Dominique Leon was able to give you a scoreless inning. Zach Liddell gives up two hits and a walk, but doesn't give up a single run. Gerald Garcia picked him up an unearned run in one and a third innings. Camilo Duvall, pair of outside the bullpen before Jose Alvarez gives up a solo run in his inning of work going deep for the LA Dodgers. Freddie Freeman, just his fifth home run of the season. Very surprising to see his power numbers down that far, but as said, Giants, as a big underdog, they're able to get it done. Who else was able to get it done? The New York Yankees, 8-0. to zero. They wind up taking down the Chicago Cubs as for the Cubs. Nothing doing in this game. They wind up throwing out their Matt Schwarmer, and Schwarmer gave up six solo home runs over the course of five innings. Going deep for the New York Yankees, John Carlos Sand, 13th home run season. Anthony Rizzo, 15th home run season. Aaron Judge twice. It's 23rd and 24th home runs of the season. Gleyber Torres, 12th home run season. Jose Trevino was able to get his fifth. And the towel boy got his third home run of the season. And Michael Rucker from there gives up two runs over the course of three innings. This one stays under, by the way, despite the fact that he wound up getting six home runs because the Cubs, they could do absolutely nothing with regards to their offense. The Pittsburgh Pirates, they got to more than three runs for the first time in six games, but they get pummeled by the Atlanta Braves. I made the DK Dane should pick the under because I am a moron, and, well, the Atlanta Braves, they put up a 10 spot. 10-4 to the final. As for the Pittsburgh Pirates, powerful runs in the first inning. Brian Reynolds is ninth home run season. Daniel Vogelback is seventh. Those both come off of Charlie Morton as Morton gives up four runs over the course of six innings. From there, Jesse Chavez, two scoreless innings, and one Aces Cruz was able to give you a scoreless inning, and you did wind up seeing a pair of home runs hit by the Atlanta Braves in the first inning. And Zach Thompson gives up two solo home runs over the course of five innings going deep for the Atlanta Braves. You did wind up having Austin Riley get a 16th home run season, and Ronald Acuna Jr. is sixth, and then Ozzy Albies would get a grand slam off of Chris Strain. His eighth home run season for Strain. He got no outs, and he gave up five runs. That's an ERA booster as Dwayne Underwood Jr. He would give up three runs and get just four outs himself. You would have Yuri De Los Santos give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and David Benar, he winds up coming in, giving you a scroll of setting, but the Braves, they've now played right around 65% of their home games over the total, so that trend winds up continuing, and the trend of the Seattle Mariners winning one-run games, that continues. They are 12-10 and 10 in one-run games this season. Last year, they were the best team in the big leagues with that regard, and they walk it off by kind of 7-6 to six as for Boston, you wind up having a trio of home runs in this one. Bobby Dahlbeck, his fifth of the season. That comes off of Paul Seawalt in a tie game. You wind up also having Rafael Devers go deep off of George Kirby, his 13th home run season, and Kirby would give one up to J.D. Martinez. His seventh of the campaign for Kirby gives up five runs, three of which were earned over the course of his five innings, including a pair of bombs. You would have Penn Murphy, Ryan Baruki, Diego Castillo all come in for a scoreless inning before Paul Sewell gives up that solo home run in his inning of work. We'll be obviously be talking a little bit later on about the Seattle Mariners with our good friend Curtis Rodgers. 
Rodgers, but for the Mariners, despite leaving 11 men on base, they were able to get it done because you had Julio Rodriguez early on in this game get his eighth home run season as they want to take Michael Waka. I always do the dying Pac-Man voice when he has a bad start, so this will fit the bill. Michael, Waka, 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 Shh. Gives up four runs, three of which were earned, including that homer in four and a third innings. From there, Enzo Robles in the ninth inning winds up giving it up, giving up two runs while getting just two outs. Austin Davis winds up giving it a scoreless setting. Matt Stram was able to give it out of the bullpen, and Jake Deakman four outside the bullpen, and Ryan Brazier gives up one run in his inning of work. So, not necessarily too ideal over there. And speaking of not necessarily too ideal, if you've been taking unders recently, because we have seen a nice little binge of overs. Now, with regards to unders, they are still leading overall for the season, as we've seen 429 unders to 404 overs. That is 51.5% overall, but certainly have been seeing a reversal there. I'll get into that in a second. Favorites overall, hitting at a 60.2% clip for the season, and favorites have really been doing well recently. 527 and 349 are favorites straight up, and when it comes to favorites, you have seen a lot of instances in which they've been unable to cover the run line, especially home favorites, who are 333 and 225, but among those 333 home favorites, they have failed to cover the run line in 102 instances. So, 231 run line wins for the home favorites, and they've been unable to cover the run line in 328 games. So, 102 times the home favorite has won by approximately one run, and I mentioned it with favorites over the last seven days. They are 53-35, and 35, hitting at a little bit north of a 60% clip, and over the last 30 days, 246 and 162. That's 60.3% according to covers, and in this last 30 days, 202 overs, 188 unders. That is 51.8% to the over. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we wound up seeing on Saturday. Coming up next, we're going to be catching up with our good friend Curtis Rogers over there at 710 Seattle Sports, looking at the Mariners, looking at what to expect out of Robbie Ray today, and also diving into the top teams out there in the American League as well. That's up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Eastern Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote we are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it's always great to be joined by this guest as he does a great job over there at 710 Seattle Sports. He does pre and post game work for the Seattle Mariners. And on top of that, when it comes to the football season, he does some work with the Seattle Seahawks as their scoreboard anchor as well. He also does some work on off days with regards to a little bit of a Seattle Mariners show as well, just taking a look at the team. So this is a man that lives and breathes Pacific Northwest baseball. And to be able to follow Curtis on Twitter, that is at a kid from Kent. You're able to catch him on Instagram at that same handle as well. And Curtis, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, always a pleasure to join you. And what, we're midway through June already. It just feels like this season has come and gone so quickly. And there's so much to get to, so many storylines right now. So many races heating up. No better time to jump into this baseball season than right now. The finals are starting to come to an end. The NHL, that is reaching a fever pitch as well. And things are starting to reach a fever pitch when it comes to the MOB as well. As most of these teams are through right around 55 to 60-ish games thus far this season. And it's been really interesting to take a look at the America League because I feel like two teams are really standing out among all of them. The Houston Astros with the fact that they've actually had the best pitching out there in the America League. And then the New York Yankees, they're just completely ripping the cover off the ball. I think that every other team out there in the America League, they're just fighting to be able to compete with these two teams because I take a look at them and I feel like they're just head and shoulders, the top two teams out there. It really does feel that way. It feels like there is a large chasm between the Yankees and the Astros and really everybody else. And that chasm grew as soon as the Angels absolutely hit the skids. I mean, losing, Uh. what, 15 of their last 16, they have looked absolutely awful. And we all thought they were going to be a team, especially after that 27-17 and start they got off to, that, yeah, this is a team that's going to challenge as well. But outside of those two teams, I look at across the American League landscape, maybe the Blue Jays are a team that can turn it on here, challenge the Yankees. I just feel like the Yankees are going to run away with that American League East crown, but who knows in terms of a playoff setting. You look at the Red Sox, they're a team that has kind of turned things around in a big way after getting off to that 10-19 and 19 start. They now have a record above 500 31-28. They have one of the better run differentials. In fact, they have the second best run differential in the American League to this point, so maybe they're a team to watch out for, especially as some of their guys tend to get hotter, and their starting pitching has been really, really excellent as of late. Really, that whole pitching staff has been excellent of late. That's really keyed their turnaround, but yeah, I mean, there just is not a team outside of the Yankees and Astros right now that really jumps out and grabs you in the American League. It's been so intriguing to take a look at those teams, and on top of that, you mentioned it, 
with the LA Angels. It looked like in the first month, month and a half of the season that they were going to be contenders out there as well. I have not seen a team ever start out like that and then lose 15 out of 16 games. Joe Mann wound up getting canned. They wound up going with Nickelback walk-up music, which everyone (laughs) knew what was going to be happening in that game. It was one of those things in which every time I see that photograph, it just makes me laugh. But man, I mean, I just take a look at this LA Angels team right now and I mean, they still have the talent with regards to the bats. Mike Trout is right now dealing with a little bit of an injury. It seems like he's probably going to return within the next week or so. So that's not anything that's going to be too critical. And I mean, legitimately, the starting pitching has not been bad for the Angels, but it all comes back to the bullpen once again. And I think that that's really a big thing to take a look at with regards to these American League teams that have and have not been able to ascend because we were all expecting the White Sox to have a big year. Their biggest bugaboo, in my opinion, has really been the bullpen pitching. You take a look at this Angels team, that has really been it for them. And then you take a look at the team like the Houston Astros, currently number one in bullpen pitching. The New York Yankees, they rank in the top five as well. And I think that that's a big elixir for all these teams that have and have not been competing this season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And especially in today's day and age when when bullpens are relied upon more so they ever have been in the history of baseball. If you don't have a lockdown bullpen as a contending team, you're really not going to be anywhere close to contention. And last year we saw that play out in a big way with the Toronto Blue Jays in the American League in 2021. That was a team that had so many MVP candidates. It had Robbie Ray win the Cy Young Award. I mean, they had everything go right for them offensively and defensively. And you look at that roster and it's like, how did they miss out on the playoffs? Well, it's because of their bullpen. Their bullpen was so historically bad. They weren't even one of the second wildcard teams. They finished, I believe, two, one to two games out of the wildcard race. That kind of tells the story of a lot of teams right now. The Mariners here in Seattle, a lot has been expected of them. And last year, they had an incredible bullpen, which was a huge catalyst as to why they had the season they did a year ago, winning so many close games, winning so many one-run ball games, so many games in extra innings. This year, their bullpen hasn't been anywhere close to what it was a year ago. Heck, last year, their saves leader was Drew Steckenrider. Today, he got DFA'd. So uh, he's not going to be back in the Mariners bullpen anytime soon so the volatility of the bullpen is such it is so fickle but teams that are able to ride that storm teams that are able to bridge the late innings once the starter hands it over I mean those are the teams that have such a tremendous advantage right now obviously that has played out all throughout these races right now in both the American and National Leagues I totally agree with you there and you mentioned it with the Seattle Mariners they just have not had the same bullpen production as they wound up having a season to go, as we do have Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports joining me on the podcast. And what do you sort of see moving forward for this Mariners bullpen? Because a lot of the guys that were there last season, they're back there this season. Now, they brought in Sergio Romo, and he has submerged his ERA. It has not been too terrific there. I don't think that too many people are surprised about that. But you mentioned it with Drew second rider. He was so good last season. I knew that he got sent down to the AAA level. I didn't know that he wound up getting DFA'd altogether. That's really surprising. Paul Seawald has been a little bit banged up over the last few years in general. He's been a relatively consistent guy, but I mean, what has really went wrong for the Seattle Mariners bullpen? Because I mean, I just take a look at it and you take a look at all the guys last year that were able to have big seasons. They just haven't been able to duplicate that this year. Yeah, it has been so difficult to predict the Mariners bullpen this year. Really anybody out there that has had, uh, you know, any kind of success has found themselves on the injured list at some point. I know Eric Swanson, he wasn't really expected to do much this year. He got off to a really good start, but then had missed about a month worth of time. A guy who has stepped up, though, that 
no one was expecting is Penn Murphy, a guy who had been a career minor leaguer before this season. In 20 and two-thirds innings pitched so far this season, he's only allowed two earned runs. He struck out 24 batters, has really emerged as, as quite a weapon. I know Andres Munoz was a guy they were relying upon. And then Matt Brash, that's another name who I think later on this season is one that I think we should be mindful of. Obviously, there was a lot of hoopla uh, surrounding his Major League debut in April. Uh, had a couple of really good starts, but then the Mariners sent him back down to the minor leagues to get some seasoning as a reliever. He's been doing well at the AAA level, so I would expect him to come back up soon. But, yeah, it's just been a lot of hit and misses. No pun intended, but uh, Paul Sewald, he's another one. You look at his numbers this year, still really good. You know, he's got an ERA in the twos, been their high leverage reliever. But one thing to note about Seawald is last year he was running a case per nine innings of about 14 point, uh, like eight or something, something absurd. In Mariners franchise history, the only pitcher to ever eclipse that number was Edwin Diaz during his record setting 2018 season when he finished second in Major League Baseball history at 57 saves. He had a K's per nine innings over 15. This year, Seawald is only at 8, 8.0. So his K's per nine innings almost cut in half, and yet he's still been just as effective. It's been a really interesting season to watch for him, but... Yeah, this Mariners bullpen, so many guys that they were relying upon. Drew Steckenreiter specifically, and Diego Castillo, I think, is another one. But Castillo's been really good in the month of June. He's only allowed one hit so far in the month. But Castillo and Steckenreiter, if those guys had played up to what they were or what they've been in the past, I think this Mariners bullpen would have fared a lot better this season. But right now, they're just kind of plugging as they go and, and hoping and praying that these buttons that they're pressing can somehow pay off. Yep, and what I find to be so intriguing about the Mariners as well is we all remember they wound up getting 90-plus wins with a negative 50 run differential. They're on base for a much better run differential this year. They're currently at negative 12 prior to their game on Saturday, and yet they're 26-32. and 32. And what has really been the bane of them as well has been the fact that they haven't been able to get it done on the road. They entered into Saturday 12-11 and 11 at home prior to that game against the Boston Red Sox, but 14-21 and 21 on the road. Has there been anything that you've really identified that has caused the Mariners to really be struggling much more on the road than at home? Because this has been a bunch that in Seattle, they've been able to get the job done, but when they hit the road, and this is after they wound up getting a couple of road wins, by the way, it was actually even worse prior to them going to Texas. But I mean, it has been very strange to be take a look at this team and just watching them struggle on the road so much. Yeah, their road schedule has been very imbalanced this season. A lot of East Coast road trips. I know they've done three separate East Coast road trips to start the season, and they won't have played a road game in their own time zone until June 21st when they take on the A's. So they still have not played the A's on the road. They still have not played the Angels on the road. Heck, they haven't even played the Angels yet. Joe Madden got fired before the Mariners could even face the Angels this season. The Mariners, they've been dealing with a very imbalanced schedule to start the season. Obviously, that would have been a little more balanced out had the two home series that had to be moved because of the lockout. Because of that, They've been having to deal with a lot more road trips here to start the season. They've got their longest home stand of the season going on right now. This is uh, Saturday night will be game two of the 11-game homestand, which they'll have a five-game series against the Angels, which, I mean, that's chicken soup for anybody right now <laughs> playing the Angels at this point in time. I would imagine that they're very, very anxious and very excited to be home, especially after just how crazy their travel schedule has been to start this season. Yep, it has been absolutely insane to take a look at the Seattle Mariners this season as 
for Sunday. I think that it's going to be another good one as well as we're doing this a little bit before we wind up knowing what wound up happening for Saturday with regards to Red Sox and Mariners as we'll be joined by Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports right here on the podcast because it's going to be Robbie Ray who's going to be taking the mound for the Mariners. And I'm sure that there are many people like myself that have been conflicted by Robbie Ray because I mean, the numbers are worse than they were during his Cy Young season. It's no question about it, but it's not like his home runs per nine rate is necessarily a whole like lot higher than it was a season ago. The walks per nine has always been an issue with Robbie Ray throughout his career, but feels like he's gotten a little bit unluckier this year from last year. He's got a 497 ERA. What have you really seen with Robbie Ray this season? Because if I'm just giving a little bit of an outsider perspective, it just feels like it's been one bad inning for him in every single one of his starts. I don't know if you've seen the same thing, but that's what I've really noticed for Robbie Ray. Like, he'll go through five innings, he'll look amazing, and then in that sixth inning, everything will go straight down the toilet bowl. It's very real what you have just said about Robbie Ray, where that one big inning has flared its its ugly head all throughout this season. And if it wasn't for that seat, or if it wasn't for that inning, we'd be looking at a guy that would have a follow up to his Cy Young season, maybe worthy of another Cy Young season. One thing to note, though, about Robbie Ray is that there has been a lot more early swings on him uh, in the count than in years past. Last year in the 2021 season, 33.3% of opponents were swinging at the first pitch that Ray was throwing. This year, it's up to 44.4%. So maybe there's, uh, you know, he's not being able to handle all the ambushing that's been going on from opponents, uh, taking advantage of a lot of those first pitch strikes in the zone. You look at his strikeout numbers, it's clear that he still is able to find the strike zone. He's averaging well over nine strikeouts per nine innings. Really hasn't seen a drop in that at all. It is one, it is interesting to know that, look, he could be facing just a more aggressive approach from opponents. And he hasn't been able to figure that out. The Mariners haven't been able to figure that out. Robbie Ray's first pitch to hitters this season is in the strike zone 59.6% of the time. So opponents are seeing those numbers and they're like, look, you're going to get a good pitch to hit probably the first couple pitches of this at bat. Why not put a swing on it? And opponents are taking advantage of it. Uh, hopefully Ray can figure that out because, I mean, I look at his stuff and it still looks to be good. I don't see a pitcher that is just got such flat stuff that everybody's teeing off on him. I think it's just a change in approach from opponents that he has not yet adjusted to. It'll be interesting to watch how he and the Mariners sort of monitor that over the next couple of starts, especially on Sunday going up against the Red Sox lineup that has a lot of right-handed power, even left-handed power with Rafael Devers, too. Ray will give up a home run to righty. He's very, very generous with the home runs this year, with uh, 14 already to this point in the season. But, yeah, I think first pitches are something that Ray is going to have to look at in order to really combat the opponents teeing off on him the way that they have. To your point, on the first pitch in a count, opponents are getting a 364 off of them with three home runs and 44 at-bats. So that speaks exactly to what you're talking about with him throwing a very good first pitch to it. And then after that, aside from in a 1-1 count, things wind up really going down from there if he's able to get up in the count. He has been absolutely dominant, so that is something to watch out for. And, Curtis, I know that you're doing a great job of just watching the game of baseball, taking a look at the Seattle Mariners night in and night out for 710 Seattle Sports, where you do the pre- and post-game hosting for them. And on top of that, I know that you've been doing a little bit of a new show on off days for the Seattle Mariners as well. I know that you've got a lot going on over there 
at 710 Seattle Sports. Love to get people at home. Know they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general. Yeah, you can follow me at a kid from Ken on Twitter and Instagram. And like Greg said, uh, we've got a new Extra Innings podcast out this week where we speak with Jen McCaffrey of The Athletic who covers the Boston Red Sox. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming up this week, especially with all-star balloting season now out there. So we'll have a lot of Mariners come through. But yeah, always appreciate you having me on, Greg. Always look forward to our conversations whenever I, I see my phone buzz and look forward to the next time we talk. It is always great to get Curtis Rogers on this podcast. One of the best minds in the game of baseball. Does an absolutely terrific job over there in the great state of Washington, taking a look at a little bit of everything. And come football season, it's going to be firing all cylinders there. And he always joins my college basketball podcast as well. Does a great job over there as well. So big thanks to Curtis for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote we are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to get Curtis Rogers on the show. Guy brings it every single time. He winds up joining me. He does a great job with pre- and post-game work. For the Seattle Mariners over there at 710 Seattle Sports. And 
There is lots of firepower out there in the American Lake. Curtis has a front row seat to it night in and night out. Always great to be able to get him aboard. Big thanks, Sam, for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Sunday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNIT underscore 81. We are going to be going in rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom, which is going to keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. We do have a couple games as of right now that are off the board, so I'm going to be doing my best with those. And our first game is off the board at 951-952 on the bang board. The Ears and the Diamondbacks, they're going to be playing against the Philadelphia Phillies. We know that one of our dangerous what is is going to be going for the Philadelphia Phillies. Meanwhile, it is good old to be determined for the Arizona Diamondbacks. But with the Diamondbacks, it looks like it's going to be Luke Weaver, barring there being a little bit of a hiccup. And if this sounds like an insert, it is because Kyle Nelson is going to wind up being the opener for Luke Weaver. So Luke Weaver is still going to be the main starter for the Arizona Diamondbacks. But Kyle Nelson, who's actually been one of the more trustworthy guys on the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen, and a guy that is capable of being able to give you multiple innings, he is going to be the opener. So I am going to probably wind up giving a few pennies back to the Arizona Diamondbacks in this spot for having Kyle Nelson as a little bit of an opener. He's got right around a 204 ERA, so he's been able to do a rock-solid job, so I had to throw that in there. I mean, the big thing for Luke Weaver is that this guy just has not seen the mound very often. This is someone that wound up being able to make one appearance as far as the season, wound up going two-thirds of an inning, and well, right now he's got a 13.50 ERA. Hard to take a lot out of that. Last year, wound up making 13 starts, and at home he wasn't bad. On the road, he was terrible. He was 3-2 and two with a sub-3-5 ERA at home, and then on the road, his ERA ballooned north of 7 as he wound up going 0-4 in 6 starts, gave up 11 home runs in total over the course of 65 and 2 thirds settings. Did wind up having his good swing and miss stuff, and for Ranger Suarez, he's got an ERA. And it's hovering right around a 4-6. It's been a little bit tough with him with regards to command as he's been giving up right around three and a half walks per nine innings. So that is a little bit of an issue. And what I think is very important for Luke Weaver is just trying to be able to eat a couple innings as well because the Arizona Diamondbacks did not wind up getting what they wanted to out of Zach Gallon as well. When it comes to Weaver, he wanted making one start and one relief appearance at the minor league level, pitching a total of six innings. So we just don't necessarily have a big sample size on him at this point. You've got to figure that there's probably going to be some long relief needed in this game. you got to figure that someone like a Caleb Smith is going to be up and active in the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen. And the one thing that the Arizona Diamondbacks do have going for them with regards to being able to back him up is that this team actually leads the league in home runs on the road. They're averaging right around 1.6 home runs per game when they are away from home. Now, batting average still one of the worst out there in all of baseball, but Josh Ross He's hitting right around 270. You've got Ketel Marte in that pocket as well. He wound up getting a little bit of a day off yesterday. Marte did, but that means that he should probably be in the fold today. Dalton Varsho has been able to do a solid job. He's hitting a 250. He's been able to supply the boom with nine home runs. Joe Manette Tipley is someone that's able to do a solid job out there in the bullpen for this Arizona Diamondbacks team as well with a sub one ERA for the Philadelphia Phillies. Well, it's a bullpen that has honestly been too terrific for this team all season long. Brad and has been able to do a solid job along with Corey Knable. Jurisdiction familiar, though. He wound up getting used up yesterday. Connor Brogdon is a little bit up and down, but Christopher Sanchez has not been great. But the one thing with the Philadelphia Phillies is that this has been a team that has been able to do a very solid job of being able to put back to ball. You've got Bryce Harper 
along with Kyle Schwarber both being able to hit 15 home runs this far this season. Schwarber hitting just a 212, but right around a 330 on base. Harper, he's hitting above a 300. You got a lot of guys like Nick Cassianos and Alec Bohm. They're hitting in that pocket about a 250. JT Remuto has fallen to closer to a 240, but I mean, the bottom of the lineup for the Phillies has been there. The big thing for Rangers for us is just being able to lock in, winding up, being able to cut down on those walks in general because he's only given up right around one home run per nine innings, but strikeout numbers down to right around seven and a half per nine innings. I think that it's going to be a rough first start here for Luke Weaver. I did wind up as a result. Wind up making the Phillies a little bit north of a minus $2 favorite. I wound up saying them officially at a minus 222 with a total of a 9.2, which means nine or less. I'd be taking a look at an over a nine and a half or higher to the under. Obviously, if it's not Luke Weaver, that'll be subject to some change as we go to 953, 954 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates at the road. They're going to be facing off against the Atlanta Braves as Kyle Wright hopes to be Mr. Wright for the Bravos and Jose Quitana is going to be on the bump for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is finding themselves a sizable underdog anywhere between plus 185 and plus 220. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Bravos, you're going to be finding them and between minus 225 and a minus 245. 8.5 to 9 is your total on the 8.5. The over is minus 120 and the under is even on the 9. The under is minus 120 and the over is even. And when it comes to the spot, I did wind up saying the Atlanta Braves is a pretty sizable favorite, but I think that we wound up getting up a little bit too high here. I was willing to take anything north of plus 205 in this spot. So right now seeing as high as a plus 220, I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on Pittsburgh when it comes to Pirates. No question, this has been a team that has been struggling in offense. They wound up getting past three runs for the first time in their last six games yesterday against the Atlanta Braves and for the Pittsburgh Pirates ever since they wound up sweeping the LA Dodgers in Los Angeles about a week and a half ago. They literally have not won a game ever since then. They don't have a single guy with a double-digit amount of home runs, so you did wind up seeing Brian Reynolds get his ninth home run of the season yesterday, but Michael Chavis, he's right now hitting a 270 for the team. Cabrian Ace has right around a 370 on base, and you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Tocopico Americano. He's been able to right around a 275 for the team, but You've got Tyler Heineman hitting below the middle line of 200. You just have not been able to get a lot out of guys like Jack Swazinski, Cal Mitchell, and company. So you're waiting for those bats to be able to come around. And for the Atlanta Braves, they played right around two-thirds of their games to the over at home thus far this season as the bats. They've really been able to get going a little bit more in Atlanta rather than on the road. You take a look at their home and road splits, and they're some of the most demonstrative. They're going to find out they're in baseball. Atlanta's collective hitting right around at 255. When they are at home, you've got Austin Riley, who has just been absolutely mashing for this team. He's already got 10 home runs at home thus far this season, 16 overall. Ronald Cooney Jr., he winds going deep yesterday. He's showing why he was deserving of being in the MVP candidacy before you wound up getting injured last season. Matt Olson has right around a 360 on base. William Contreras has right around a 375 on base. And the Braves back up their starting pitchers with a bullpen that is in the top 10 in the big league. Tyler Mazik has been out of the fold for quite a while, but you've seen Dylan Lee really be able to step up. He has yet to give up an earned run all season long. Kenley Jansen seems to wind up failing at some of the worst signs, but he and Kyle McHugh both right around a 3-4 in terms of their ERA. Jackson Stevens, sub-3 ERA is a little bit of a long guy for the team and for the Pittsburgh Pirates. All but four of their wins have actually come out of the bullpen thus far this season, but you're going to need Jose Quintana to be firing all cylinders because they are a team that they're in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. Quintana has been relatively lights out this season. A 3-1-9 ERA. Not a guy that's going to get a bunch of swings and misses right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings of walks per nine. You would like it to be a little bit lower. He is registering right in the neighborhood of above 3.2, 3.3 walks per nine innings, but he's kept the ball in the yard, giving up just two home runs 
thus far this season. Now the Pirates, they did wind up having to go to Chris Strain out of the bullpen yesterday. David Benar has really been their main guy, a guy with a sub-2 ERA. It has been absolutely terrific, but they did have to use up Dwayne Underwood Jr. yesterday as well. So that winds up putting this team a little bit more behind the eight ball. I think that the Pirates and all the wins that they've gotten out of the bullpen, that is a little bit of fool's gold right there. And for Kyle Wright, this guy has been able to do a great job of being able to get swings and misses. Ten strike outs per nine innings, giving up just three home runs thus far this season. Posting up an ERA of a 239 and out there in Atlanta. He's actually got a worse ERA than he does on the road. Buck 96 road ERA, 262 home ERA, but opponents earning just a buck 73 off of him. I do think that he's going to be able to stymie the bats of the Pittsburgh Pirates, but I do think that the Pirates, with a little bit of a banged up Atlanta Braves bullpen, are going to be able to get a little bit of something going. I feel like the Atlanta Braves should be a relatively sizable favorite, but I think that we went a little bit too far here, and I do think that Jose Quintana, as he's been able to do all season long, is going to be able to do a solid job and be able to hold down the fort. And I also do think that the Pittsburgh Pirates, as they have been doing for much of the season as well, going to be having a little bit of a tough time getting it going with the bats. I'm going to take anything north of a plus 205 here with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I'm looking there. So my total at 88.2. So I'm going to be looking at an under as well as we go to 955, 956 on the bank board. This is a game that's off the board between the Milwaukee Brewers and the Washington Nationals. Nationals wound up sending Yohan Adon down to the minor league level. This is great sadness for all of us that were betting against Yohan Adon. Right now, it's looking like it's going to be Evan Lee winds up getting the start, but it is currently to be determined. And then for the Milwaukee Brewers, it is going to be Jason Alexander. No, not the comedian. Who's going to be gone for them if we do end up getting Lee versus Alexander? One of saying the Brewers at a minus 164 on the money line would be willing to lay up to a minus 108 on the run line and maybe a total of 9.6, so 9.5 or less, looking over and a 10 or higher to the under for the Milwaukee Brewers. They were able to get a little bit of offense generated yesterday, but Eric Lauer just wound up getting tattooed by the Washington Nationals. But the good news is because the Brewers wound up getting land based, you've got Josh Hader along with Devin Williams. We're going to be in the fold for this team, and the big thing for the Brewers is that they've been able to beat up on really, really bad pitching, but whenever they wind up having even the slightest bit of a step-up, they have not been able to do a solid job. You take a look at the starting lineup that they wound up having yesterday. Not a single guy wound up leaving in that game, hitting above a 260. Now, you do have Rowdy Tillis along with Hunter Renfro, Willie Thomas. All these guys have between 10 and 11 home runs, so you've got some... I guess for lack of a better term, constant power when it comes to this team, but you do need some of these guys to be able to pick it up. Luis Urias hitting just a 215. Christian Yelich has got a 330 on base. He's been closer to his MVP form. He's obviously nowhere near there, but it's been a little bit better than in past years. And then for the Washington Nationals, this is a team that has been able to put back to ball recently. You take a look at Lane Thomas, and he wound up beginning the year really, really awfully, and then he wound up having that three-home run game, and over the last 15 days, he's been hitting right around at 350 for this Washington Nationals team. Juan Soto, he's only hitting right around at 229, but he's got a 375 on base. He's been able to give the team 13 home runs thus far this season. You've got Cesar Hernandez, Yadiel Hernandez, Mikel Franco, Nelson Cruz. All these guys hitting between about a 265 to a 275 with also Josh Bell being able to above a 300 as well. So you've got guys that are able to get on base for this Nationals team. The problem has been, this has been a really bad bullpen as Victor Rano has not been able to give you any solid innings whatsoever. And then on top of that, you take a look at trying to bring in a guy like a Steve Ciszek. That's not necessarily too terrific. Kyle Finnegan has been up and down. And for the Nationals, it will actually be Paulo Espino who's going to be the starter. If this sounds like an insert, once again it is. We wound up seeing a lot of late decisions with regards to starters. But it sounds like Paulo Espino is going to be sort of a combined slash piggyback guy 
in this spot is it's probably going to be Espino, and then you wind up seeing coming in a little bit later for bulk work, Evan Lee, so it's going to be a one-two punch, and for Paul Espino, he did wind up making a couple of starts last season, and he's been pretty decent in whatever role the Washington Nationals have thrown him out in the past two seasons. He's got a 203 ERA this season, 26 and two-thirds innings. Not much of a strikeout guy, but much like he did last season, doesn't walk a ton of guys. He's a little bit of an older guy at 35 years old, but you take a look at what he wound up doing in 2021 in his starts as well. He overall had a 427 ERA, but in the role of Starter was able to do a good job of being able to have a little bit of deception in general. Big thing was he wanted giving up a bunch of bombs in the role of a starter. He wanted giving up 16 home runs over the course of his 19 starts. So that is a little bit of an issue. But that said, someone that should be able to come in and combine with Evan Lee. So if this sounded like an insert, it is. Now we'll get to Evan Lee. And the few starts that he has wanted making for this team has not been necessarily going well for him. To say the least, he's got one start, one long relief appearance. Was not necessarily too impressive at the minor league level, especially with not being able to get a lot of swings and misses. Command was relatively off first start. They wound up having against the New York Mets, which is three and two-thirds innings. He gave up four hits, three walks in that time span, and I don't think that it's necessarily going to be going too much more terrifically here. And you take a look at Jason Alexander. Ever since he got the call-up to the big leagues for the Milwaukee Birds, he hasn't necessarily been bad. He did not wind up wowing me at the minor league level by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, he's won 12 innings in his first two starts. The five walks is a little bit of an issue. You weren't expecting him to get a lot of swings and misses, and he is not just four strikeouts. So I do think that this is a situation which he's probably going to see a little bit of regression with having more walks and strikeouts. It's not necessarily too terrific. He does a good job, though, of being able to induce some soft contact. So this is a situation which a 9.5 or less, I'm going to be looking at it over at 10 or higher. Going to be taking a look at an under and with the Brewers. Set the minus 164 on the money line, on the run line, a minus 108. As we wind up going to 957, 958 on the betting board, the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. They're under the road. They're facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals as Dakota Hudson. It's going to be going for the cards, and Graham Ashcraft is going to be on the bump for the Reds. Your total on this game is 8, the over and the under, anywhere between minus 105, minus 115. With the Cardinals, it's anywhere between minus 165 and minus 172 on them. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Red Legs, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 145 and plus 158. And when it comes to Cardinals, made them a minus 191 on the money line. This is a Reds bunch that has not been very good in terms of bullpen, and the bullpen will end up completely costing them yesterday, as well as yet under green, give a very solid start, and then the bullpen came in for three and two-thirds innings. They wound up giving up four runs, which wound up completely torpedoing them, so hard to expect too much more out of this bullpen. Alexis Diaz has been relatively solid, but he wound up getting used up yesterday, which means that Jeff Hoffman, really their lone guy out there in that bullpen, that is trustworthy, that is really going to be on call for today, and you take a look at the starting pitching, and Graham Ashcraft has actually been able to do a halfway decent job here for the Cincinnati Reds as he's not a guy that's going to go out there. He's not going to give you a whole bunch of strikeouts or anything like that, but as we will post up to this point, a sub-2 ERA. He's pretty much done what he's done out there at the minor league level as he's just been able to induce soft contact, giving up one home run in 23 and two-thirds innings and hasn't given up a lot of walks, only about five walks. So that has really played to his advantage. Now he's also faced off against some, I would actually call a pretty good competition with regards to his first two starts against the Giants and the Toronto Blue Jays. Last two starts against the Nationals and the years in the Diamondbacks. A little bit more easy street there, but he's given up a combined one run in his last three starts. So 
This guy has certainly been on it, but I do think that the St. Louis Cardinals are going to be able to get to him a little bit more. I think that he's doing for a bit of regression, especially against a Cardinals team that is right now one of the best out there in the big leagues. Nolan Gorman is starting to regress a little bit, but he, Tommy Edmond, Nolan Arenado have between a 345 and a 360 on base. Arenado has been able to do a solid job being able to give this team a double-digit amount of homers. You've had Paul Goldschmidt inning right around at 330. He had that 25-plus game hit streak a little bit earlier on in the season. Brendan Donovan is hitting at 285. So there has been a lot of good hitting with regards to the St. Louis Cardinals team. And the bullpen of the St. Louis Cardinals has been able to do a solid job as well. And darn near everyone is going to be rested and ready to go in this one. You've got Ryan Elsley, who's given up pretty much one and run all season long. Andre Pallanti now being used as starter is out of that bullpen, but if needed, you could wind up using even someone like Zach Thompson as a little bit of a longer guy, because I know that Genesis Cabrera has been used a little bit of a longer role, but he's going to be available in this game as well, and then you do take a look at the Cincinnati Reds, and they've got some very demonstrative splits when it comes to home and road hitting at home. They're hitting close to a 265 to a 270 as a collective. On the road, it's closer to a 210. Though I've seen Kyle Farmer yesterday go 404. That was absolutely tremendous for the team. He's hitting a 275. You've got Matt Reynolds, who's been able to right around a 265. Alberto Murray Jr. has been able to do a just solid job hitting above a 280 as well. And Joey Vato, ever since he wanted coming off of the COVID IL, things have really been able to trend upward for him. Prior to him going on the COVID IL, he was terrible. So it's coming off of it. Nearly a 430 on base. So I do think that we are going to be seeing quite a few runs in this game. I do think that the run of Graham Ashcraft, though, we are going to see a little bit of regression with it. And for Dakota Hudson, as my case in which he does wind up giving up a few more walks than you'd like to see. He is giving up for the year right around three and a half walks per nine innings. Strikeout numbers are not necessarily great, but it's one of the best ground ball pitchers that you're able to find in the big leagues, which is a big reason why he's only given up four home runs, just one of the masters at being able to induce soft contact. So this is a spot in which I did wind up saying my total at an 8.7. So this is a situation in which I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I'm with the St. Louis Cardinals on the run line. I am seeing them currently at a plus 130. I am more than willing to take a shot there as when it came to this run line, I was willing to pretty much take this as long as I was getting even money or better. So going to be looking at the Cardinals on the run line and I'm going to be taking a look at this little over as well as we move on to 959. 960 on the bank. Where do you got the LA Dodgers? They're on the road. They're facing off against the San Francisco Giants as one Carlos Rodan is going to be going for the Giants and Julio Arias is going to be going for the LA Dodgers. The Dodgers find themselves anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at San Francisco, it's anywhere between plus 105 and plus 113. And your total on this game, you're going to be finding anywhere between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8, the over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. On the 8.5, under is minus 125. The over is plus 105. And when it comes to the LA Dodgers, it's been very intriguing to see their pitching be so much better when it, they have been on the road rather than at home. But I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression to this. Wound up setting Rodon as a minus 113 favorite in this spot. And the big reason why I do like Carlos Rodon being able to get the job done here is because he has been able to do such a tremendous job of being able to get swings and misses. You take a look at what he's been able to do this season for the San Francisco Giants, and he's registering over 11 strikeouts per nine innings. Now, things have been a little bit more rough for Carlos Rodon over the last 30 days. You take a look at it, and in his last five starts, he's been posting up right around his 6 ERA, has won 24 innings in those starts, giving up four home runs, and the walks are starting to manifest themselves a little bit as well, 10 walks in those last five starts. So that is a little bit of an issue, but he has been able to do his best work at home, 267 home ERA, 422 road ERA with opponents sitting 40 points lower off of him at home. And for Julio Diaz, 
It's been a little bit of a struggle for him this season. 278 ERA has been better on the road than at home, and as a collective, the LA Dodgers have been posting up an ERA that's a full right around 1.2, 1.3 points lower on the road rather than at home. 240 road ERA, 318 home ERA for Julio Rios, giving up three home runs on the road, seven home runs at home. It's just been really strange, especially with opponents hitting worse off of them at home rather than on the road. And for the LA Dodgers, it has been a case in which you've been seeing more of the, shall we say, luster starters being able to step up and really doing a great job of being able to come through for this team. Yancy Almonte has been able to give the team some good innings. Sub-2 ERA, Alex Vizia, he has continued to be able to fire on all cylinders. Right around a 363 ERA for this team. Broussard Gratterall, though, he's got north of 4 ERA. Craig Kimbrell posting up a 4 ERA. Evan Phillips, meanwhile, he's rocking a 228 ERA. So it's really been a case in which the Dodgers have gotten good production out of places they didn't expect. And the guys that are a little bit more tried and true, they've had a little bit of a tougher time this season. And it's a San Francisco Giants team that they did wind up having to use up a little bit of a bullpen game yesterday. So a lot of these guys are going to be a little bit burnt out. And with the San Francisco Giants last season, and they were the lone bullpen with a sub-3 ERA that has wanted progressing a little bit this season with guys like Dominic Leone, Zach Liddell, Jake McGee dealing with some injuries. But it is a Giants lineup that they've been able to get some good production at the top of it as Austin Slater, Wilmer Flores. These guys are in between a 250-260. Thario Estrada sitting at 275. Jack Peterson, double-digit amount of homers. He's sitting above 250 for this bunch as well. Luis Gonzalez has been able to above a 300. And then you take a look at the LA Dodgers and Mookie Betts sitting at 285. 16 home runs has been absolutely massive. You've got Trey Turner hitting a 300 for the team. Gavin Lux all of a sudden has been able to find it. He's hitting a 290. But really, other than Mookie Betts, you don't have a single guy with more than seven home runs on the roster. Got to figure that Max Muncy is going to start to pick it up. Perhaps that Chicago White Sox series is going to be able to help him out. But Cody Bellinger, he's really been stuck in the mud ever since that 2020 World Series. You got to wonder if that shoulder injury they wound up suffering at the end of it is still lingering with him a little bit. So I do think that the San Francisco Giants are going to be able to get exactly what they need out of Mr. Carlos Rodon in this spot. As a result, I did wind up setting the San Francisco Giants as the minus-113 favorite here. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Giants when it comes to total. I did wind up setting it at a 7.6. I do think that Uli Urias is going to be able to lend a relatively solid start. And I do think that Carlos Rodon is going to be firing all cylinders as well. So this is a situation which I am going to be taking a look at this total under. And I'm going to be taking a look at the LA Dodgers. 961-962 on the betting board. You've got the Colorado Rockies. They're going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the San Diego Padres. Says Blake Snell is going to be getting the start for the Padres. And it is going to be one Audubon Marquez who is going to be going for the Colorado Rockies. With the Rockies, you're going to be finding them a between a plus 162 and a plus 166. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the pods, you're going to be finding them in between minus 177 and minus 175 with your total 8.5. The under is any between minus 110 and minus 115. The over is any between minus 105 and minus 110. And this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at a little bit more of a run line right now. You're finding the Padres laying a run in half. And right now, you're finding that at a minus 105. And that's just not something that I'm able to sign up for. I was willing to lay the run in half with the Padres if I was getting at least a plus 120 and we are not quite there in this spot. I would need closer to about a plus 170 to be able to take a shot here on the Colorado Rockies as I want to make in this a line of 168 personally but not a spot in which I really want any part of the San Diego Padres. Blake Sell wound up having a pretty cataclysmically bad line start when he wound up facing off against the New York Metropolitans. He wound up walking in a run. He wound up having three walks in that first inning in general. And 
really the bane of the existence of Blake Snell ever since he wound up going to San Diego has been the fact that the command has not been there for him in general. He's got 11 walks in 19 innings as far as the season last season. He had darn near five walks per nine innings as well. And then you take a look at Herman Marquez and, well, he's been a human pinata this year. He's given up 12 home runs over the course of 61 innings, but he is going out to San Diego where it is very, very much more pitcher-friendly, which that should be able to help him out a little bit in terms of the deep ball. And you take a look at Herman Marquez. He has given up at least three runs in all but one of his starts thus far this season, and that was the first start of the season. So, I mean, it's not necessarily going too terrific for him out there. He's actually been a little bit better on the road. And he has been at home, 623 road ERA, 664 home ERA. So, it's either really bad or it's just bad. But I will say this for Marquez. Given up one home run in 21 innings on the road, 11 bombs and more like 31 and a half innings when he's been at home. So that is something to take a look at. And for the Colorado Rockies, they always have very demonstrative home and road splits with regards to their hitting. But I mean, this has been a team that has been able to do a relatively solid job of still being able to get on base on the road. Hitting at 237 as a collective, which it doesn't sound overly impressive. It's still a split of right around 45 points with regards to their home and road splits, but they have been able to do a solid job of just being able to find a way on. You do have a guy in Charlie Blackman who's got five home runs on the road thus far this season. That's big for a team that only wound up having 15 home runs in 26 games on the road going into Saturday. But I mean, Blackman's been able to hit right around a 290 on the road. Jose Iglesias hitting a 370 on the road. He's been terrific on Thandaza. He's been able to do a solid job there. And for the San Diego Padres, this has been a little bit of a top-heavy lineup. You've got Manny Machado who's been able to above a 300. He has been the main constant. For the same, Jake Cronenworth, he has been able to pick it up a little bit more. He's been able to give the team three home runs over the last 10 days, but he's hitting at 225 right now. Trent Grisham still hitting below the Mendoza line of 200, even though he wanted going deep in game number one of their doubleheader yesterday. Noah Mazzari has been able to come in. He's been able to do a solid job, but small sample size there. Eric Cosmer is right around a 350 on base, but you got your question marks in terms of that. And for the San Diego Padres, they did wind up having to dive into the bullpen quite a bit yesterday. And about Crisman wound up getting used up in game number one. Taylor Rogers has been a relatively solid reliever for the team when he's not facing off against Pittsburgh Pirates, but it is a case which Stephen Wilson has north of a four ERA. Luis Garcia wound up getting used up yesterday as well. Tim Hill's not necessarily been too trustworthy. And for the Colorado Rockies, this team is at last with regards to their bullpen ERA as well. Carlos Aceves, north of a five ERA. You've had the long reliever and tight block just not do well in general. And he's not going to be available for this game. Robert Stevenson, he's a guy that's posting up an ERA that's hovering right around a five as well. So you've had your issues with regards to Colorado Rockies with that regard. And for Irma Marquez, he certainly has been giving up runs. But with Blake Snell, hard to be able to back him either with the way that he just hasn't had a lot of command. If I'm able to get up to right around a plus 170, I would be taking a look at the Colorado Rockies on the money line. And I did wind up saying my total... I have more around at 8.7 in this spot, so I'm going to be willing to take a look at an over in this spot just because, well, it is a case in which neither of these guys have necessarily been able to perform very well because of the doubleheader yesterday. You've got a pair of bullpens that have been greatly used up for the Colorado Rockies. If I'm getting a run in AFED, I would say minus 115. I would be willing to nibble there if we wind up getting up to a plus 170 on the money line. We'll be taking a shot there. So one way or another, going to be taking a look at the Rockies. All depends upon line movement as to whether that's going to be taking a run in AFED or if it's going to be on the money line. And with that said, here at the 8.5, looking in and over as well. 963-964 on the bank board. The Oakland A's, they throw their facing off against the Cleveland Guardians. That's Cal Quantrill. It's going to be going for the Guardians. And Cole Irvin is going to be on the bump for Oakland. Oakland is finding themselves as a little bit of an underdog here. Anywhere between plus 135 and plus 148. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Cleveland, it's anywhere between minus 155 and minus 162. With your total on this game, anywhere between 7.5 and 8 
on the eight. You're finding the over and the under anywhere between even money and minus 120. So got quite a range there. And on the seven and a half, over is minus 120, and the under is even. And when it comes to this one, I did wind up setting the Cleveland Guardians as quite a sizable favorite. I want to make them a minus 178 on the money line. On the run line, I was willing to take anything of a plus 115 or greater right now. If you take a look at that run line, you're finding it at a plus 135. I'm going to be willing to lay the run and a half, be able to reduce the juice. And I did wind up setting my total at 7.8 right now. All I have access to is an 8, so I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. And the big reason why I wound up setting my total so low is not necessarily that Cal Quantrill is going to go out there and just get a bunch of strikeouts or anything like that. This is a guy that thus far this season, he's only been able to register right around 6 to 6 half strikeouts per nine innings. But he's just a very steady guy. Three runs of fear get up in 24 out of his last 26 appearances. And he's going up against an Oakland A's team that you've just got absolutely nobody whatsoever that's been able to get on base for them. Now, they did a very solid job yesterday being able to have a pair of home runs in that game. Seth Brown now leads the team with seven home runs, which that speaks to exactly how bad it's been for the Oakland A's. And you wind up having one guy that got in that bat yesterday hitting above a 250. That would be the backup catcher and Christian Bethencourt. So it's not necessarily been too great there. Now, Ramon Laureano has been able to reach base for the scene, but you don't have a lot of power. You don't have a lot of guys that have been consistently able to get on base in general. And for the Cleveland Guardians, this is a team that they're just not striking out right around 6.7 punch outs per game. That is the best of any lineup out there in the big leagues as you've had Stephen Kwan be able to be relatively consistent for the team. He's obviously not on the terroristic pace that he wound up having towards the beginning of the season, but he, Owen Miller, Josh Naylor, they're only between about a 260 to a 270. You've got to figure that this is going to go down, but Oscar Gonzalez, he's hitting nearly a 400 for the team. Amid Rosario has been able to hit a 250. Jose Ramirez, one more could be said about him. He entered into Saturday, leading the league in RBI, 15 home runs, right around a 390 on base. Andres Jimenez is hitting above a 300 for the Cleveland Guardians. They did wind up having to dive into the bullpen a little bit. Eli Morgan, along with Angel de Los Santos, not going to be available, but a banning Class A. It's been one of the best relievers out there in the big leagues. You've got Brian Shaw, who's been a little bit up and down, but starting to find it. He's out there in the bullpen. Nick Samlin has been able to post up right around a 265 ERA. Trevor Steven, he's rocking now about a 3.5-ish ERA. It's been a little bit tougher for him, but speaking of it being a little bit tougher, Danny Menace, he now has a north of 4 ERA for the Oakland A's. Domingo Acevedo wanted coming out of the bullpen yesterday as well, and then you take a look at Cole Irvin. He is going to be backed up by Sam Mall and A.J. Puck, but he's been very much a pitcher contact guy himself. Someone that thus far this season has been averaging right around 6 strikeouts per 9 innings. He's given up a little bit over 9 hits per 9 innings. Not necessarily going to be a guy that is going to be relying upon deception, and on the road has always been a little bit less than he has been at home because Oakland is such a pitcher-friendly ballpark during the nighttime last year at a 457 road ERA. And you take a look at it this season, he's been posting up a buck 61 ERA at home. On the road, it's been relatively what we wound up seeing last season, a 470 ERA, giving up seven home runs to 23 innings. I do think that we're going to see that wind up going down a little bit. But that said, I do think that Cole Irvin just going to give up a little bit too much contact in general to a Guardian team that they do a nice job of being able to find a way on base. So this is a spot in which at the eight, I'm going to be taking a look at the underhand with the Cleveland Guardians and all that we've seen out of Kyle Quantrill. I'm willing to trust in them on the run line as we go to 965-966 on the bang board. The Toronto Blue Jays set the road to face off against the Detroit Tigers as Tariq Skubal is going to be going for the Tigers and Ross Tripling is going to be on the bump for Toronto. Toronto is finding themselves as a pretty sizable favorite anywhere between minus 145 and minus 160. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Detroit, you're going to be finding them between plus 125 and plus 140. And your total game, you're finding it at an 8.5, the over and the under. It is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And... 
This is a spot where I'm going to be taking a look at the under because you've got Tariq Skubal who's really been one of the best pitchers out there in the big leagues. The only reason why he isn't up there with regards to league leaders and wins and everything like that is because, well, he's been on the Detroit Tigers. And for the Detroit Tigers, they are currently dead last in the big leagues with regards to runs per game. They just have not been able to get anything generated whatsoever. You take a look at this entire lineup of the Detroit Tigers and you've got absolutely nothing going for them as... Javi Baez, Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, the currently injured Eric Haas, Spencer Torkelson, all these guys wound up entering into Saturday hitting a 200 or lower. So that has been terrible. Now it looks like Eric Haas might be available for this game. So that should be able to give them a little bit of a boost. But still, it has been relatively tough sledding for them and the Blue Jays. They were able to score four plus runs in 13 out of their last 14 games prior to yesterday. But this is a lineup that I think can be slowed down by Tariq Skubo. You have had a lot of guys being able to get on base for the team. Boba Shed, George Springer, you're able to throw in there. Santiago Espinal. They're only in between about a 270 to a 285, so they've been able to do a nice job. You've got Springer, who's been able to give you double-digit run on formers, along with Liger Jr. Bobachet up to 10 home runs as well. I will say, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression for Alejandro Kirk, sending a 325 with a 404 on base, and he's a special player. I just don't know if he's going to be able to do quite that. And you do take a look at Ross Stripling, and he's someone that was a all-star starter a few seasons ago. Now, it's not like this guy is going to come out there and be absolutely dominant, but you know that he is going to pretty much keep the game out in front of him. He's given up right in the pocket about two walks per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate, right around seven and a half. He's given up less than home run per nine. Doesn't necessarily compare to Tariq Skubo who's giving up three home runs at 65 and two-thirds innings. He's posted up a 233 ERA, including a 210 at home. Has yet to give up a home run in Detroit this season. Very pitcher-friendly ballpark. His opponents are in just a 202 off of Skubo at home. Now with the Blue Jays, bullpen has been a little bit erratic this season, but they are facing off against that Detroit Tigers lineup that has been able to get absolutely nothing going whatsoever. We've had Adam Zipper be relatively solid for the team, posting up a 255 ERA. David Phelps has been able to give you right around a two-ish ERA as well. Trevor Richards, you got to think, is going to be able to find it as well. Tim Meza, he's been able to give you right around a two-ish ERA. So I do think that Ross Stripling getting a start here. He's going to be able to do a relatively solid job of being able to hold down the fort with the Detroit Tigers. I do think that there's a little bit of value on them overall in this game as well. I was willing to take anything of a plus 125 or greater, seeing a lot of north of plus 130s. I'm going to be willing to take a shot there. And when it comes to this total, set mine at a 7.8 on the under in this spot. And when it comes to the Tigers, I think north of plus 125, I'm willing to ride with that. 967, 968 on the betting board. You've got the Texas Rangers on the road facing off against the Chicago White Sox. As Michael Kopech is going to be going for the Southsiders. And 55 Shades of John Gray is going to be on the bump for Texas. Texas is back to being an underdog between plus 135 and plus 145. Meanwhile, if we're taking a look at the Sox, it's saying between minus 152 and minus 165. 8 to 8.5 is your total. On the 8, the over and the under are both at minus 110. On the 8.5, the under is minus 125 and the over is plus 105. Five and when it comes to the Chicago White Sox, wind up setting them as a favorite as a minus 172 with regards to the money line and on the run line. I was willing to take anything that was north of a plus 120 as I see it right now. Run line, you're finding the White Sox more around about a plus 130 to a plus 135. I'm going to like to reduce the juice. I am going to be taking a look at this Sox team on the run line because Michael Kopech has been very special for this team all season long. A guy that has seen a little bit of a drop in terms of his swing and miss stuff thus far this season, but what you really do like about Michael Kopech is that he's been able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort and not give up necessarily a ton of hard contact, giving up just two home runs over the course of 51 innings thus far this season. You would like to see the walks be a little bit lower, right around 4.3 to 4.4 walks 
per nine innings, but Matt said he's been able to do a good job just night in and night out, being able to provide a good effort, buck 94 ERA, and at home, 161 ERA across his five starts, has yet to allow a home run, and opponents are in a 0.86. Yeah, you gotta figure that that's gonna be going a little bit north the word, but Matt said he's been able to do an absolutely terrific job of being able to keep guys off guard, and then for John Gray for his career, outside of Coors Field, because Wound up being in his career with the Colorado Rockies. He's got north of a 4-5 ERA. He did wind up having a really nice start against the Tampa Bay Rays about a week and a half ago, but then probably wound up getting lit up against the Cleveland Guardians, and this guy just has not been good on the road thus far this season. A 5.94 road ERA over the course of his seven starts. He's given up four home runs over the course of 33 and a third innings, which isn't too bad, but four and a half walks per nine innings. Opponents are at 2.42 off of him. Though I do think that he's going to be able to do a little bit better moving forward because he is getting right around nine strikeouts per nine innings, so he has been able to do a solid job of being able to keep guys a little bit off guard. And he's backed up by a bullpen of the Texas Rangers that it's been relatively decent this year. Joe Barlow along with Brock Burke are a pair of guys that are posting up a sub-3 ERA. Now, both of these guys wound up getting used up yesterday. And then with the White Sox, their bullpen is currently in the bottom 10 in the big leagues. But he did wind up having Kendall Graveman and Liam Hendricks not get used up. These two guys are elite. Russ that bullpen, boy, oh boy, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice. Even Matt Foster wound up giving up a run yesterday, so it's going to be very critical for Kopech. Guy that has been going right around five to six innings in most of his starts thus far this season to be able to lend a little bit of length in for these Chicago White Sox. They were really able to bust out with the bats yesterday, but you've got to note how good they wind up doing against left-hand pitching. This is a team that they're hitting north of a 275 against lefties. Against righties, they're hitting more in the pocket of about a 230, and well, John Gray, he is a right-handed pitcher, but with that said, you do have Jose Abreu, who's really been able to bust out for the team over the last three days. He's hitting above a three-hunter. Andrew Vaughn along with Luis Robert. These guys are hitting between about a 275 to a 290 with Vaughn. He's been able to do a solid job being able to give this team a little bit of power. Just six home runs as far this season, but it's been a case in which he has been relatively banged up this season. You've had Yosemite Grandal not be able to get on base. He, Luri Garcia, Yohan Moncada, all these guys in below the Mendoza line of 200, but they're starting to pick it up a little bit more as well. And for the Texas Rangers, speaking of being able to pick it up, Marcus Simeon has been able to give the team six home runs over the last three weeks. He all of a sudden has been able to live up to his billing as he and Corey Seager both died with a 223 batting average. You do need those two guys to be able to pick it up as those two, along with Adolis Garcia, even Charlie Culberson, all in between about a 223 to a 235. Eli White has not been able to do a lot for you, but Jonah Heim, along with Sam Muff at the catcher spot, these guys have been able to consistently get on base for you, Garcia. He's been able to supply the boom with 12 home runs as well, but I do think that Michael Kopech going to be incredibly dominant in this spot. White Sox, they just don't hit righties the same way that they do lefties, but I do think that they're going to be able to generate enough off of Gray, along with a very tired Texas Rangers bullpen as both of these teams, because the game wound up going to extras yesterday. They wound up having to use up a lot of bullpen pieces, are going to have that going on, but I do think that both starters are going to be relatively solid. Set my total at 7.9, so I'm looking under him for the Chicago White Sox. Wonder Reduce juice here. Take a look at the run line because I do think that Kopech going to be on his game. 969, 970 on the bank board. The Baltimore Orioles. They're going to be in the rope facing off against the Kansas City Royals as you've got Brad Thunderkeller who's going to be going for the Royals and Dean Kremer is going to be on the bump for Baltimore. Baltimore is finding themselves as a bit of an underdog in the spot. Anywhere between minus 114 and minus 120. Meanwhile, if we take a look at Kansas City, it's anywhere 
between minus 105 and plus 108. 9.5 to 10 is your total on the 10. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105 on the 9.5. The over is minus 125 and the under is plus 105. And when it comes to this one, I wound up saying the Royals as a very sizable favorite. I wound up saying them as a minus 147 because when it comes to the Royals, they are going up against a guy, Dean Kremer, that has not been too terrific at all. And that's why I'm going to be making this a DK Nation pick because I think that Kremer is going to once again get relatively destroyed here by the Kansas City Royals. You take a look at what he's been able to do, not just this year, but for the entirety of his career as Kremer. He's made one start this far this season, one of giving up three runs in four and a third inning, so not necessarily too big of a sample size there. At the minor league level, he wasn't necessarily too terrific, and you take a look at what he wanted doing during the 2021 season. He wanted getting 13 starts, a 7.55 ERA, and a guy with a strikeout to walk rate that was sub two last season. I mean, this guy just wound up getting completely barbecued. He is just allergic to giving up hard contact in general. A guy that wound up having a home runs per nine rate that was well north of two during the 2021 campaign. Gave up 17 home runs over the course of 53 and two-thirds innings. Opponents hit a 292 off of him, and it's not like he was necessarily tearing it up at the minor league level thus far this season. And for Brad Keller, the 1-7 record is sort of like a little bit of a Medusa. It's just a little bit strange in general because, I mean, he hasn't been pitching bad. He's got a 419 ERA, which it's not laying the world on fire. He's getting right around 4.7, 4.8 strikeouts per nine innings, but the Walks per nine rate, that is way down for past seasons. That's far this season. He's been issuing right in the neighborhood about 2.8 walks per nine innings for his career. That's a little bit north of three and a half. He's been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up less than home run per nine innings. And at home, 275 ERA. Opponents starting at 212 off of him. So he's been able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fourth there. With regards to Kansas City Royals, I do think that this is a bullpen that is going to start to pick it up a little bit as well. Josh Shamon is someone that I've always been relatively high on. I do think that he's going to be able to do a relatively solid job in in this spot, and then you take a look past that. Joel Piamps has a sub-3 ERA. You've had Scott Barlow be able to give you a sub-2 ERA. It's really been the long guys like Taylor Clark and company that have been tough, and for the Baltimore Orioles, I think that big-time regression is still coming in for this bullpen as you just take a look at what you're getting out of right now. Logan Gillespie, Ore Lopez, you're able to throw in there Felix Batista, CNL Perez, all these guys have sub-2 ERAs. I like Felix Batista, and I mean, all those guys, they're relatively solid relievers, but I mean, that said, you've right now got Nick Vespi, who has a zero ERA. All these guys are just doing for a little bit of, I think, a bit of a downturn. And then take a look at this Baltimore Orioles lineup, and you have been able to have guys be able to get on base, despite the fact that Cedric Mullins has not been able to duplicate the big season they wound up having last year. You've got Trey Boomer Mancini, along with Austin, the CA's kid, in between about a 290 to a 300. Ryan McKenna has been able to get on base for you now. Some of the guys at the bottom of the fold, like Robinson Chirinos, Adelie Rushman, who's starting to pick it up a little bit. He wound up having three hits yesterday. They've been a little bit of a left down and for the Kansas City Royals. All of a sudden, Salvador Perez is starting to bust out. He wound up being on the injured list a little bit during the month of May. Ever since he has come back, he has looked relatively solid over the last we're going to call it 15 days. He's been able to right around at 235. He's been able to supply a trio of bombs. So he's starting to be able to round back into form. MJ Melendez, Hunter Dozier, Michael A. Taylor, Kyle Isbell. All these guys are in between about a 255 to a 270 with Merrifield over the last 30 days. He's sitting above a 250 and Andrew Benatendi. He's been able to above a 300 as well. I just think that this is a case in which Dean Kramer is a very untrustworthy guy as a result. That's why I wound up setting the Baltimore Orioles as more around a plus 145-ish underdog in this spot, so seeing this big of a differential DK Nation pick is going to be on the Kansas City Royals, and when it comes to this total, 
I do wind up setting it a little bit south of 9. I wind up setting it at an 8.7 because the Orioles bullpen has been so good. And you take a look at what you've been able to get out of Brad Keller, home to road. He's always been good at being able to limit hard contact at home. So looking at the under and the DK Nation pick, going to be on the Royals. 971-972 on the betting board. We've got the Tampa Bay Rays in the road face off against the Minnesota Twins as it's going to be Cole Sands, hoping to not be pounding Sands for the Minnesota Twins. And Jeffrey Springs is going to be on the bump for Tampa Bay. Got a relative pick game here as the Rays find themselves anywhere between minus 108 and minus 115. Meanwhile, if you take a look at Minnesota, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 110 and plus 105, 8.5 is your total. Over is between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 105. And when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays, I felt like they should have been a little bit more of a sizable favorite in this spot as well. So we're going to be willing to ride with them. I was willing to lay up to a minus 143 in this spot. Jeffrey Springs has been able to do a really good job since getting elevated into the starting rotation as overall for the season as a buck 62 ERA. His ERA as a starter is a little bit north of two, but I mean, he's done a good job of being able to limit hard contact. Five home runs given up in 44 and a third innings. Walks per nine rate is at two. Strikeouts per nine rate is at nine. I mean, this guy is checking all the boxes right now. He's going up against a guy in Cole Sands who he wound up having a relatively rough and rude awakening. To the major league level as he's posting up an 849 ERA and then just taking a look at what he wound up doing at the minor league level as well. This guy was very far from impressive. I was questioning why he wound up getting promoted to the big league level as he's currently given up four home runs at 11 and two-thirds innings. Got to think that that's going to iron itself out with the six walks in 11 and two-thirds innings. So right around four and a half walks per nine. That is not going to. He's giving up more than 11 hits per nine. I think that that's going to come down a little bit. And for the Minnesota Twins, despite the fact that Byron Buxton wound up getting the day off yesterday, he has been white hot and he should be back in the fold for the team today. As you take a look at it, he was just a guy that was banged up in the month of May. There was a stretch of 12 games in which he wound up having just three hits. He's got four home runs in the last two games that he's played in and you take a look at Byron Buxton over the last 15 days. He's hitting a 326 with six home runs in that time span. So this guy's gotten white hot. Luis Arias, he's currently hitting a 367 with on-base percentage, hovering right around a 444. Gio Rochelle and Max Kepler also been able to do a very solid job of being able to get on base as both of these guys north of a 330 on base. Urshel hitting a 275 for this team. And then even guys like a Nick Gordon been able to step up. Carlos Correa's approaching 300 power. It's been a little bit down this season, but has been able to do a nice job of being able to get on. And then for the Tampa Bay Rays, Randy Rosarena is starting to heat up as got a lot of guys that are sort of in that fold of, I would say, a 267 along to 277. Juan Franco is still out of the fold, but he, Andy Diaz, G-Man Choi, Randy Rosarena have all been able to do a solid job there. Got to figure that Franco not going to be coming back until at the earliest next week, but I've been able to get a little bit more out of Kevin Kiermaier. He's got six home runs, which is very unexpected out of him. Francisco Mejia has seen a little bit of a downturn with regards to his batting average, as it's been a very much a top-heavy Tampa Bay Rays team with that regard. But with the Rays, what you can always depend upon is the bullpen pitching of this team, as a lot of guys have just come in and have posted up sub-three ERAs. Matt Weisler has certainly been one of them. J.P. Fireisen is on the injured list, but with him on the injured list, you just wind up looking more to Jalen Beeks along Jason Adam. A pair of guys with a sub-250 ERA, Colin Pooch has posted up a buck 47, so these guys have been terrific, and for the Minnesota Twins, they've now got Emilio Begon back in the fold, but that said, this has been a bullpen in which guys like Jarrell Conn have been able to step up and been able to do a solid job. Yohan Duran is one of the best fireballers out there in the big leagues, but Ty Duffy, 650 ERA. Giovanni Moran has been able to get the job done for the team, but it's a little bit hit or miss when it comes to this bullpen, and they did wind up having to use up more of their trustworthy pieces on Saturday, so this is a situation in which I did wind up setting my total at 8. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I think that's 
Penzance is going to get beat up a little bit, but he is going up against the Tampa Bay Rays lineup that has been a little bit hit or miss. They've been able to put up right around 0.6 runs per game more on the road than at home, but still is a little bit of a worry for this team, and this is also a spot in which I did wind up saying the Rays more around a minus 143, so looking under and looking Rays. 973, 974 on the betting board. If you got yourself the Boston Red Sox, they are going to be hitting the road faceoff against the Seattle Mariners. It was looking like it was going to be Garrett Whitlock getting the start for the Boston Red Sox. As of right now, it is good old to be determined. We are not going to be finding this out until the podcast is posted, so that's a little bit of a TVD situation. Meanwhile, Robbie Ray is going to be going for the Seattle Mariners. I'll give you exactly what I wanted handicapping Whitlock against Robbie Ray as I wanted making Ray a minus 118 favorite, and this was a spot at which I wanted making the total at 8.2, so in 8 or less, I was willing to take a look at an over and an 8.5 or higher. I was looking at an under, but this is going to be interesting to take a look at Robbie Ray moving forward because we want to mentioning it with our good friend over there with 710 Seattle Sports, Curtis Rogers, that I mean, for Robbie Ray, it's just been one big giant blow up inning. If you take a look at the inning in a game in which he winds up giving up the most runs, his ERA in that like one bad inning is north of 20, and the rest of the game it's right around two. It is so demonstrative. He has been getting right around 10 and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but he's always had a problem with the deep ball. He's giving up just under two home runs per nine innings, and walks per nine have manifested itself as well. The reason why he was able to win the Cy Young last year is because, for one, there was nobody else to really take that award. We're going to call it what it is. And for two, he wound up having his walks per nine get down to right around three-ish. This year, it's back to right in the pocket about three and a half, and we mentioned it with the Mariners. Bullpen has been an issue for the team. Drew Seconder is so good for them last year. He just got DFA'd. He was at the AAA level. He's no longer with the team anymore. Diego Castillo has been posting up north of a 5 ERA. Anthony Machavich, Andres Munoz. These guys have not been able to get the job done, but then you take a look at the Boston Red Sox. They've been able to pick it up with their bullpen pitching. They're now in the top half of the big leagues with regards to their bullpen ERA. They do wind up getting back Ansel Robles. That is going to be able to help them out a little bit. Now it's very questionable as to what's going to be happening with regards to a starter in this game because Whitlock, it looks like, is on the injured list. You could wind up seeing conceivably some like a Tanner Oak wind up getting a few innings in this game. He wound up last pitching on Friday. They've been sort of utilizing him as a long guy, a guy that is a former starter, but that said, he wound up pitching two days ago as well. you got to figure that there might be someone called up from the minor league level. Ryan Brazier has not been too terrific for this team, but someone like a Tyler Danish has been used as a little bit of a long guy right around a three-ish ERA. He wound up last pitching a few days ago. He's made 16 appearances, has won 21 and two-thirds innings, and I believe that there was already a few appearances in which he wound up going two-plus innings, so he's a candidate to wind up getting a few innings in this game as well. So a little bit questionable as to what you're going to be able to get there. So this is going to be a game which it's going to be looking a little bit different than the minus 118 that I posted up on Robbie Ray against Garrett Woodlock. This will probably be a case in which I would think that I would be setting the Mariners closer to a minus 130 because this is a Mariners lineup that they've been able to do a solid job of being able to put back to ball, which is something that you could not wind up saying about them last season. You've had Eugenio Suarez give you right around 330 on base, 11 home runs. Julio Rodriguez is right now leading the league in stolen bases. He's in at 265. Adam Frazier has been a little bit rough for the team, hitting just at 240, but Tyler Trammell sitting at 260. Ty France, 38 RBI, 330 batting average, and for the Boston Red Sox, that big trio of Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, all these guys running at least at 315 for this bunch. Trevor Story, he's got nine home runs and has done all of his best work thus far this season against the Seattle Mariners. Has four 
of his home runs have come against Seattle. The bottom of the lineup has been a little bit brutal. You've got Christian Vasquez, who's been able to hit 270, and Alex Verdugo is really starting to pick it up. Verdugo, he's hitting at 250 overall this season, but take a look at what he's done recently over the last 30 days. He's hitting right around at 290, so after a rough start to the season, he's been able to do a little bit more. But with that said, this is most likely going to be a situation in which if it is a bullpen game for the Boston Red Sox against Robbie Ray, it would be a spot in which I'd be sticking with my total of an 8 or less. We'll be looking at the over and 8.5 prior to the under. But with that said, with the bullpen game, we'll be willing to set Ray and company more around about a minus 132-ish with regards to how big of a favorite I'd be making them and keeping that total relatively the same. But once again, do check back in the AM because it's a little bit of a fluid situation on this one as we do wind up going 975-976 on the betting board. You've got the Chicago Cubs in the road face-off against the New York Yankees as James Sadion is going to be going for the Yankees and Keegan Thompson is going to be going for the Cubs. This is a game that's off the board because we were unsure if it was going to be Thompson or if it was going to be Mr. Kyle Hendricks was going to be taking the bump for the Cubs. But with that said, with the Chicago Cubs, I would need at least a plus 215 to be able to take a shot on them as I want to make the Yankees a minus 214 favorite. And with regards to the Yankees, I'm going to lay up to a minus 120 on the run line with them. Set it officially at a minus 123. And it's also a spot in which I'm going to be willing to take this over at an 8.5 or less at a 9 or higher. I would be taking a look at the under Keegan Thompson. Wanted getting lit up in his last start against the Baltimore Orioles prior to that. He had went 45 and a third innings. had given up just three home runs and prior to that start against the Orioles, he actually wound up having a sub-2 ERA. You did have a feeling that a little bit of regression was going to be coming in, but still. 317 ERA. His walks per 9 rate is right around 2.7, so he's been able to do a good job of being able to hold down the fort. Not necessarily a big swing of missed guys. 7 half strike cuts per 9 innings. And for Jamison Dion, he has not necessarily been the world's biggest swing and miss guy this season. Just under seven strikeouts per nine innings, but it's been able to keep the ball in the yard, and his command has been just laser at this point. I mean, he's got six walks at 62 and two-thirds innings. He's given up just five home runs thus far this season, and you take a look at what he's been able to do at Yankee Stadium. 231 home ERA, 325 road ERA in his 35 innings at Yankee Stadium. Opponents are just at 239 off of him, so he's been able to do a great job of being able to keep guys off guard, and for the New York Yankees, this is just a lineup that is mashing right now. You've got Aaron Judge, who wound up entering into Saturday with 22 home runs. He got another one yesterday, so, I mean, it's just absolutely prolific. To put this into perspective, the Detroit Tigers, right, now as a collective. They've got 30 home runs. Aaron Judge, you pair him up with John Carlos Sand. Those guys now have 36 home runs. So, it is absolutely insane. Sand, he's got 12 bombs. He's hitting right around 270 for this punch. Anthony Rizzo, he's been able to go deep 14 times. He's got right around a 320 on base. Joey Gallo has actually been able to give you a couple home runs recently as well. Hitting just a buck 90, obviously. A strikeout machine for the scene, but over the last 15 days, he's been able to hit right around 260. So, we've seen a little bit of an uptick there. Glaber Torres has been able to hit 250. Double-digit amount of homers. And for the Cubs, you do have guys that are able to get on base for this team. you got Wilson Contreras with right around a 400 on base. He's been able to go deep 10 times thus far this season. Christopher Morrell, he, along with Ian F, throw in there Rafael Ortega. All these guys north of a 350 on base with Morrell. He's hitting right around 300. Nico Horner, he's been able to give you right around 280 as well. But for the Cubs, after a good start to the season, bullpen has started to regress a little bit. Scott Efres is now rocking an ERA that's hovering right around a 3. Chris Martin has not necessarily been too terrific for this bunch either. And take a look at someone like a Michael Rucker. You just want absolutely no part of him and his north of 5 ERA. Rowan Wick has been starting to give up some runs and for the Yankees. Bullpen has started to regress a little bit. You've been dealing with the role of this jam and being out of the fold due to injury. Miguel Castro now has an ERA that's hovering right around a 3, but you have been able to get some good production out of Wandy Peralta along Clay Holmes. Holmes, you gotta figure, can't keep up a 0-31 ERA, but he has been absolutely terrific. Clark Schmidt as a long guy has been able to give you right around
right around a three-ish ERA. Michael King has been able to do a good job in long relief as well. Sub three ERA out of him as well. So this is a situation which with the Cubs throwing out there, Keegan Thompson would need at least a plus 215 to be able to take a shot there. One away up to a minus 120 on the Yankees run line with Tyon going in. It ain't after less. I'll be looking at an over nine or higher to the under 977, 978 on the main board. The Miami Marlins are going to be in the road facing off against the Houston Astros as Justin Verlander is going to be going for the Astros and you've got Edward Cabrera is going to be going for the Fish and not a shock to anyone that the Astros are a pretty sizable favorite anywhere between minus 205 and minus 220. Meanwhile, for Miami, it's anywhere between plus 180 and plus 192 with 7.5 to 8 being your total on the 7.5. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105 on the 8. Under is minus 120 and the over is even. I wound up setting the Astros here at a minus 236 on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line, you're able to find the Astros between a minus 105 to a minus 110. I was willing to lay up to a minus 130, so I'm going to look to reduce the juice. I'm going to be willing to take them on the run line now. To the credit of Miami, if you've bet on them, the first two games in the series, you've been able to make some very nice coin as they were underdogs in both of them, and both times they were able to get the job done, but I do think that this is where the Astros bats are going to start to bust out. Now, I do like Edward Cabrera. Take a look at his first two starts, giving up one run over the course of 12 innings. That was a solo run against the Washington Nationals, and he got a combined 26 runs of support in those first two games. I'm going to go out here on a limb, and I'm going to say that the Miami Marlins will wind up getting two double digits in a third straight start of his, but you do take a look at the fish. They have been able to score 12 runs in the first two games of the series, and overall for the Miami Marlins, this is a bunch that they've scored at least seven runs, and now four out of their last five games, they've gotten to at least five runs in six out of their last seven, so it's actually been relatively impressive to see. Now, they do have to go up against Verlander. I'll get into him in a second, but A.C. Zagier, now hitting right around at 255 for this team. You've been able to have Williams Estadio as a little bit of a situational guy along with Luke Williams. Be able to hit above a 285 or a Solaire. Still hitting just a 220, but a 315 on base. He's been able to go deep 12 times. Garrett Cooper sitting above a 300 whenever he's been out there. The backup catcher, Nick Fortes, has been able to hit well above a 300 as well. So, you got some guys that are doing a good job being able to put bat to ball. And Jazz Chisholm, he's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers, but with the Houston Astros, you still have Jose Altuve Hitting a 270 with a double-digit amount of homers for the team. Jordan Alvarez, one of the best home run hitters out there in baseball. 17 bombs. He's hitting a 300. Kyle Tucker, along with Jeremy Pena, in between a 260 to a 270. And for the Houston Astros, this team has been very prolific with the way that they've been able to pitch at home. They are currently number one in terms of bullpen ERA, though. You're probably not going to need a lot of it with Justin Verlander on the mound. Verlander is a guy that is going to give up a few home runs. He's given up nine bombs in 71 and two-thirds innings thus far this season. But opponents overall, they're in a buck 83 off of him. For Verlander, 210 home ERA, 215 road ERA. He has been consistent at home. He has been consistent on the road, and his command is there. Right around 1.7 walks per nine innings. I think that it's just going to stymie a Miami Marlins team that, I mean, to their credit, this has been an above-average offense thus far this season, but when you've got all these guys for the Houston Astros, coupled with a relatively aggressive bullpen, you do wind up having Ryan Stanek along with Rafael Montero come out of the bullpen yesterday, but you still have a guy in Ryan Presley who has been a very prolific reliever for the team. Hector Neris has actually been able to post up a sub-3 ERA as well. I think that the Astros should be able to completely dominate a Miami Marlins team that I think that regression is due in for Edward Cabrera. Cabrera, good swing and miss guy, but also a guy that has been allowing four and a half walks per nine innings. to take a look at him last season at the big league level north of a five ERA with his command being an issue. So I'm willing to take the Houston Astros on the run line in this spot. I think that both of these guys are going to be able to do a relatively solid job here at an eight. I'd be looking at an under at a seven and a half because I do think that the Astros are going to be able to put bat to ball. And I think that the Fish will end up getting a solo home run or two. I'd be looking at a seven and a half over and an eight under as we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the bang board. If you got the LA Angels playing us to the New York Mets. Tyvon Walker is going to be going for the Mets. Patrick Sandoval 
Falls on the bump for the Angels. Pick them game here. Anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110 on both money lines. Total on this game is nine. Under is between minus 115 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even minus 105. And in a pick them game, I'm going to fade the team that wound up entering into Saturday. Losers of 15 out of their last 16. I'm going with the Mets. I wound up setting them. A minus 122 favorite with Walker. It's been able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort last season. Post All-Star break, he was giving up a bunch of home runs. Thus far this season, three home runs given up in 46 and two-thirds innings. So, that's yeah, .6 home runs per nine innings. Now, you do end up having a little bit of a rough go of it on the road against the San Diego Padres. And just throughout his career with the Mets, he has had some big home and road splits this year. It's been a little bit less demonstrative. 341 road ERA compared to a three home ERA. I think that this is going to widen a little bit. But certainly has been able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. This despite the fact that the swing missed stuff way down from last season. He's only getting right around five strikeouts per nine innings last season. He wound up being able to get right in the pocket of about eight strikeouts per nine innings. And for Patrick Sandoval, the Angels skid has not been his fault. You take a look at what this gentleman has been able to do and he's given up more than three runs, I believe, in just one start this year. He has actually been very prolific for this team. 281 ERA, a three home ERA. He has given up zero home runs all season long. Now, he's got to tame it down with the walks. He's been giving up right around four and a half walks per nine innings, but strikeouts stuff is there right around 8.6-ish strikeouts per nine innings and take a look at this LA Angels team and right now they're dealing with a couple of ailments on top of just the fact that you've got Mike Trout who has currently been out of the fold for the team the last few days Taylor Ward a guy with a right around 350 batting average and has been able to slug out a double digit amount of home runs this season he's been out of the fold Pete Alonso he led all the big leagues on the flip side in home runs on the road last season. He's already got 16 home runs. He's hitting a 280 for the team. Jeff McNeil has been able to hit a 300. And for the New York Mets, this is a bunch that they entered into Saturday. Hitting as a collective right around a 264. That is by far the best batting average out there in the big leagues. Francisco Lindor has been able to give you nine home runs. He's been able to do a solid job. And then you've got all these guys that are just good table setters. Like Mark Hanna is hitting a 300. Brandon Nimmo, 375-ish on base. Eduardo Escobar wound up hitting for a cycle about a week or so ago against the San Diego Padres. And then for the Mets. The bullpen isn't terrific, but they're right around 10th in terms of ERA. Drew Smith has been able to give you some good innings. Jason Treve, Jolie Rodriguez, you'd like to see a little bit more out of them along with Adam Adovino, but Kyle and Holderman, some that they wound up sending up from the minor leagues. He's been able to hold down the fort with right around a 3-ish ERA. And for the LA Angels, you just don't have any of that. We talked about with Curtis Rogers. This is an Angels bullpen that I mean, it is just ghastly bad. They're in the bottom 10 in terms of ERA, and I'm putting it generously. Rossi Iglesias, right now, he's rocking right around a 443 ERA. You're depending upon Ryan to pair and Aaron Loop to give him the ball, and both of these guys have north of a four ERA. Alvaro Ortega's not been good. Jose Quijada is a guy that you're now relying upon for innings. Not necessarily going well there, so this is the spot in which I do wind up setting my total at an 8.8, so seeing the 9 that we've got right now, I'm looking at the under just because I do think that the Mets could do a solid job of folding down an Angels team that is a little bit banged and battered when it comes to their lineup, and when it comes to the Mets, wind up setting them the minus 122 favorite, so want to take them in a relative pick game, and that will wrap things up for the Sunday edition of the Baseball betting show now part of the Beeson family and podcast a big thanks to Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports for joining me in the last segment if you do like preparing from this fine podcast baseball betting show you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Apple Podcasts Google Play Spotify Stitcher and TuneIn if you've got a question comment segment idea whatever you've heard this podcast you do have one of two ways we all throw those in first one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81 keep in mind letters here they mean does not matter so as per usual please just send these into the timeline other ways find an Apple Podcast review if you rate this podcast five stars it is very much appreciated from there you're able to find whatever you like to on this podcast via the five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.